Welcome to the Happy Mindset. Today's episode is episode number 71 and today's episode title is called Follow Your Intuition. So today I'm joined by Rich Ostigera. Rich is a transformational catalyst, a talk show host and a comedian. On today's episode, Rich talks about the journey he's gone on so far to follow his intuition, the many moments he's felt like his intuition was a bit off and he didn't want to follow it and did it in spite of those fears and reservations. So I learned a lot from Rich. I learned how simple it is to follow your intuition, how much of it is just about paying attention in your moment-to-moment life, and how curiosity can help you as well to get in touch with your intuition. So I enjoy talking to Rich, and I hope you can get some valuable insights from today's episode. Another thing I want to mention is just recently I've set up a Patreon page for the Happy Mindset Podcast. Basically, it's a way for you to support the podcast if you've enjoyed listening to the 70 or so episodes so far. If you head on over to Patreon, Look for the Happy Mindset Podcast, you'll find it there. There's a few different tiers and there's a few different goodies you can avail of, including a t-shirt with an illustration from the book and a signed copy of the book as well, Taking My Life Back. So another thing that I'm doing right now that I'm exploring is helping other people to become authors. I spent the last year writing my first book and getting it out on Amazon. And I'm looking to help people who have a story that they want to share or a story they want to own or just they want to go about writing a book and becoming an author. I'm looking to help those people who feel a bit overwhelmed, they don't know where to start, so they just never do anything on it. So if you're interested in getting help from me when it comes to writing a book and getting your story out there, then you can connect with me on Facebook. You'll find me in the Happy Mindset group. Reach out to me there and uh, we can take it from there, see if it's a good fit and whether I can help you and whether you want to commit to becoming an author. So yeah, so thanks again for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Okay, so thanks for joining us today, Rich. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So my first question is, who are you and what are you doing in the world today? Uh, who am I? A million dollar question. So uh, so in terms of who I am in the world, uh, as you know, my name is Rich Osegara, and I am a transformation catalyst. That is... The label I give myself to attempt to describe the my purpose, uh, what I what I'm here to do in the world, and my purpose is to help people who are open to being their biggest self, um, helping people to understand the power that they have to to not only change their lives first and fr- first and foremost but to, to take that and to do something with that in the world that makes a difference, you know, if it's in their family, in their local community, or even at a greater level, um, you know, beyond, beyond, their, beyond uh, their local environment. So I, I work with people who know that that potential is inside of them and need some support, tools, uh, and especially mindset, mindfulness, and heartfulness tools to help them take their purpose, their mission, their vision, and put that out uh, to make a big difference in the world. So that's what I do. That's tough. What led you to becoming a transformational catalyst? Uh, it, 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 it came from my own, I guess, I'll use the word selfish, from just my own personal journey and at some point as you know uh, when you go through the process of, of 
studying and practicing transformation tools, at some point, you know that you just can't keep it to yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. And that it, it's really for us to be giving and to be of service to other people. And so um, over time, that, that's what happened. You know, I, I started doing transformation and mindset type training uh, in my 20s and thought it was just for me to become a, bail, a better salesperson. That was why I took my very first transformation program. Had nothing to do with anyone else. It was just about like, how can I be better at sales and make more money? And at that workshop, probably within the first 30 minutes, it became really apparent that um, I actually wasn't there to learn how to make more money. I was there to deal with all of the limiting beliefs and um, broken parts that I didn't even realize I had. And that that's what sparked the whole thing. So it, it's, it's been going on for quite a while. And at some point, uh, a coach told me that it was really doing a disservice to the world if I didn't share all this training and all this practice and expertise that I had gathered just for me. If I didn't put that out into the world, I was, I was kind of robbing, I was robbing other people from the potential that they have as well. So what, like, what drew you to like, the mindset work in your early 20s? Was it like your work gave you to do that or was it something you were drawn to yourself? Like what, looking back, how, how were you drawn to that? It, well, like I was just saying, it, you know, I worked, I, back then I, I was working in sales. I'm 50 years old now, so we're talking almost you know, 25 years ago. Uh, I was in sales. I was a sales manager and had started working with, uh, with coaches and also a neuro-linguistic kind of slash hypnosis coach. And I started getting exposed to some of these tools. And, uh, and I, I, I really just thought, I, I want to go take this class, this training that someone told me about to become a better salesperson, to, to become a, you know, a better manager. Uh, and that is really what opened the door uh, to, to you know, what, what's happened since then. But even before that, from a spiritual perspective, uh, in my early, earlier 20s, I got introduced to a book called A Course in Miracles and uh, to Marianne Williamson, uh, who, was a teacher, who is a teacher of The Course in Miracles, and also people like Louise Hay and Carolyn Miss. These are very prominent spiritual leaders and they all kind of came across my path around the same time of my life. And at the end of the day, that's also all about mindset and mindfulness and um, learning how to be responsible for our lives and being responsible for what happens in our lives then gives us power to do something about it, especially if it's something that we don't like, right? So the, that kind of laid the foundation, and then I got to this more uh, uh, ontological type of uh, mindset training, and then and then it just kind of exploded from there. So what sort of shifts did you see in yourself, like when you started doing some mindset work and you became more mindful of what was going on in your life? Uh, well, I mean, at the time I was, I was in a, in a relationship, a long-term relationship. And I think that the immediate impact was, was in that relationship and our ability to communicate in a new way 
really shifted how we operated with each other, how we were able to be in relationship with each other. Uh, I also noticed, of course, uh, with my on the professional side, the people that I worked with, uh, my employees that I trained, you know, my bosses, uh, anyone that I was coming in contact with, I was able to hear them differently. I, I don't know how to explain this. I'm sure you you'll understand what I'm saying, but. Uh, one of the things that one of the very valuable tools I learned have have learned uh, through mindset training, which is of course distinct from mindfulness, um, is the ability to listen to what's not being said. So those spaces in between the words, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is also communication. Uh, that was something that I, I became a bit, uh, able to really be with the person, hearing them, uh, witnessing them, what they were saying and also what they weren't saying uh, all at the same time. And it just increased my ability to be an excellent listener and then be able to to be with a person in a way that make, makes them feel validated and empowered. And that's that's uh, it didn't come from any just one particular tool uh, or, or workshop you know it's kind of a culmination over time but but that's a skill that um, I don't know that people can develop unless they put themselves through these kinds of experiences yeah I mean, that was going to be my question is like do you, do you know how you became aware of it like what you're saying there was an accumulation of a lot of different things a lot of different experiences and stuff yeah I, I think it's, it's as you become, as I have become more aware of my own thoughts and my own uh, my own patterns and, and learning the tools, uh, learning tools around the use of language, whether it's verbal language, body language, um, and then like I was talking about silence, silence, the space between the words, right, is also a language. And just becoming aware of that, that that there are many ways that we communicate, there's many ways that we receive information, that we give information, that knowing or that understanding, uh, I think all of that has just kind of come together to, to allow me to become much more perceptive, because that's a word I didn't use yet, but the level of perception that I can have with people. I'm not saying it happens all the time in every conversation, but um, especially in my coaching work with my clients, uh, or if I'm teaching a workshop or a class or whatever the case may be, this is where I really notice that that particular skill has, has uh, come into play. And I think it also has to do with intuition, which is a whole other category. And, and it's something that I, I teach now is to, uh, how how can you develop your awareness, your perception, your your perceptive skills, uh, because we all have them, and you may have uh, particular ways of perceiving information that are different than, than than mine, but we all have them, and when and it, when we are, when we believe that number one, uh, and then start to explore. How do I receive information? What are the ways that my divine guidance system speaks to me? And then trusting that information 
Like I think all of these things kind of intersect and that and this gives us the ability to be much more perceptive, much more empathetic and aware. And then that allows us to be better communicators, better leaders, uh, and hopefully make better decisions in how we go about our day-to-day lives or our business. So is, are there general ways that people receive information? Are you talking about intuitively? Yeah. So somebody listening in, yeah. they might like because we've only experienced one way of receiving information, we're not going to be aware of it sometimes. Are there, are there different ways that people receive information intuitively? Sure. Um, so just uh, to give you one example, I was, I was, uh, I went on a walk this morning and you know, had a, had a whole plan. I already had predetermined which way I was going to walk through the neighborhood and uh, I, that I was going to use my SoundCloud app to listen to a specific set of music that I have. Like I had it all planned out. And as I started the walk, I was kind of getting into the groove of, of or getting into a flow. Uh, I went to turn on the SoundCloud app and it, it started to uh, like reset so I couldn't use it because I was out of I, I wasn't on Wi-Fi anymore. I was outside, right? So that this this app stopped working basically, right? It, would, it wasn't going to work. So that kind of bothered made me mad because <laughs> my plan got broken. So then I said, "All right, I'll listen to you, uh, iTunes," which I didn't really want to because I don't have stuff there that I wanted to listen to today. But I went there. I found a mantra. Uh, from uh, called the Mula Mantra, a uh, uh, Sanskrit mantra. And I said, okay, I'll listen to that. It's been a while, that'll be good. So I start playing that and then all of a sudden the iTunes also just stops. And I thought, wow, <laughs> did my phone die? Did my phone, like, what's going on here? But my phone, rare moment, it was actually at 100% battery and nothing I did made, would make the iTunes start again close the app, started the app, close like nothing. So like, I'm now having to not have the music. So then I heard from my intuition, right? Which is like a, a, a knowing, it's kind of a combination of almost a voice and then a sensation that I get. Um, in my case, right on the right side of the back of my neck is where I'll have, there's like a, a sensation. And I know that when I'm feeling um, a, almost like a pulsing there that my intuition is trying to get my attention. That's one of the ways that, that I'll know that. And what I heard was, um, take a look around. And I thought, okay. So I just moved my head to the left and right there, right next to my head was this giant spider web, huge, beautiful spider web and right in the middle of the of the web was the spider it literally was right next to me um and i thought wow like i totally would have missed that being able to take in the beauty of what that spider had created i totally would have missed um the message that maybe that spider or the what it represents has for me and um, so, you know, I kind of took in the beauty of the spider and the spider web. I took some pictures of it, of course, kind of do the social media. And, um, <laughs> and, then, and then I went on my walk and then lo and behold, the iTunes starts working again. So from that, knowing what I know and, and my beliefs, I know that animals or insects in this case, uh, 
spiritually all contain a message. They all have a certain set of attributes or uh, information that's associated with them coming. You know, this is based on uh, indigenous belief systems and uh, shamanic belief systems, other spiritual systems as well. So I know that this is just the stuff that I study and that I like to learn about. So um, while I was on the walk, I Googled, you know, spider medicine or which your spider spirit animal and of course got all kinds of articles about the meaning of spider and so i just i, t I read those and i and I, I read several of them uh and then kind of took from that uh what that spider message might be have might have for me and in this case the spider represents feminine energy. It represents creation. It also represents our shadow sides. Uh, there's a lot of different things that it could represent, but I was able to kind of put together some meaning behind my head being right next to this giant spider web and, um, and took a message from that. And for me, and what I would teach, if, what I teach is I could, that's one way that intuition or divine guidance is sending a message. Uh, so when you're working in the realm of intuition and learning to pay attention to your divine guidance system um, or your internal GPS, messages can come in many ways. They may be external, like suddenly a spider web shows up next to you. You might see a repetition of numbers or letters or words or you might suddenly have a thought of a particular person that you haven't thought about for a while, and that person may keep coming to mind. It might happen in your dreams. It might happen because you hear a conversation next to you from complete strangers, and some words of that pop over to you, and it triggers uh, an understanding. So there's, there's many different ways that information might be coming to us. Um, some people, who you've heard of, uh, you've heard the word clairvoyant, which is probably one of the most known forms of um, extrasensory perception that people have heard about, where a person has the ability to um, literally see images uh, that might have to do with the present, the future, or the past. Other people, clairaudience, they have the ability to actually hear a message from um, their intuition or their source. Uh, some people have it through a sense of touch. Some people smell, get certain smells that are linked to uh, information and that particular smell or the thing that would produce the smell isn't actually anywhere near them at the time. So there are different ways that intuition can come to us and um, what we get to do is figure out what, which of those ways, because there can be multiple ways, that intuition shows up for us and then start to be aware and notice when it happens, pay attention, and then uh, take action based on that. Hmm. Did it take you long to, to realize that the feeling was in your neck from intuition? And how did you realize it was coming from your neck? Uh, I think it's just been a, a, a process of you know, it happening enough over time it probably was happening before I was ever even thinking about these things. Uh, and then as I, on my spiritual path, I would say, um, more to do with my spiritual path than mindset training. 
uh, is when I started to learn about these things, like, you know, what is intuition? What is clairvoyance? You know, th these were things I started to be introduced to over time and then become interested in. And the more that I learned about it, the more I was able to start mapping it to my, myself and onto my body. Um, and that's, that's when I started to realize, oh, there's a sensation that happens here usually that's the primary place and when that's happening i should pay attention what's happening around me what was said what did i feel what did what did i just do what was i thinking about to see what the correlations might be uh, so it's just become a, a matter of becoming aware which involves educating ourselves and then uh, paying attention and noticing the patterns and then trusting it and that's the part where most people stop because we get a thought or we get a sensation you hear all the time you know uh, i had a i just knew in my gut right and our our guts uh are also are uh, a center of information now i lost i lost my trend my train of thought but the the knowing uh paying attention to where we have the sensations in our body and noticing that they happen repeatedly is is how uh, I started to to understand where on my body certain feelings or sensations were starting to were tied to information that was coming to me that I should probably pay attention to. <laughs> mm -hmm. You mentioned there about the, the trust <clears throat> part is where a lot of people get stuck. Did it take you long to start trusting yourself and your own intuition? Yes, <laughs> that's, thank you for the, thank you for that reminder. Yes, uh, because my brain, my very logical brain that thinks it knows everything uh, would dis discount these other feelings or knowings or, or in my case too, you know, the, like I said earlier, like I heard to take a look around when I was talking about the spider story, right? Like I could hear that voice in my head with that sensation. And in the past, I, I might've just said like, well, that's crazy. Like I just made that up. I might've, I might've just said, well, some part of my brain just made that up. That's not real. <clears throat> but I've learned the hard way by not paying attention by discounting that those promptings, um, I've learned that when I don't pay attention, when I don't believe that the information is accurate, uh, that that things can go wrong, <laughs> or if I keep pushing it away, it's going to find new ways to come back to me uh, until I finally pay attention. And that process has has been a real learning uh, over over years to not only be able to recognize the ways I receive intuitive information, but to just go ahead and just say, all right, I'm gonna go with that, even though it sounds ridiculous, it doesn't make any sense, it's clearly not logical, and that wasn't my plan. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm as I get older, <laughs> and I advise anyone, the younger that you start to pay attention, the better this, you know, the more useful you can, these, these tools can be for your life. Uh, but 
once I started to really just allow myself to know that that was my divine guidance system, that it had my back, that it was happening for a reason, then I was able to start. That's how the trust happened. And um, allowing myself to go with that flow and seeing that things opened up that I could never have imagined were going to happen uh, is what started to build my trust so that I'm, I don't, I can't say that 100% of the time I immediately just say, okay, I'm going to go with that. But it's more and more and more often I do because I know if I don't, <laughs> that it's going to come back another way and I should just go ahead and pay attention now. Is there any uh, situation that stands out in your mind where you ignored your intuition and in the end you had to learn the lessons anyway? Yeah. Well, you know, I used to live in New York City. I lived there for 18 years before I came to San Diego. And at that point, I thought, I, I, you know, that's a long time to be in one city, especially a place like New York. And I had a whole life there. I, I was established as a community leader. I had started my coaching business. Uh, you, you know, I just, it was where I lived. And, you know, I travel a lot. So I just figured New York's home base and I'll go do my thing around the world and, and always come back you know, home to New York, New York City. And um, at around year 16, after following uh, a divorce and a complete, complete upheaval of my life, <clears throat> uh, when I went to, I used to own a condo with my former uh, partner and we sold it um, as a part of the, the process of getting divorced. And you know, we went on to, to, to get our own apartments after that. And when I, when I went to sign the lease for my, my new apartment, I heard that voice. I had that knowing that said, only sign a one-year lease, because I had the option of signing a two-year lease, which would have locked in my rent and prevented the rent from going up in year two, <clears throat> which was logical to me. That made sense, because I live in New York. Why do I want to pay more than I need to? But I heard in my intuition to only sign one year. And I immediately said, and I'll just use the word God, you know, and I call it all kinds of things. But I, I, I was like, what? Are you crazy? Why would I do that? I'm not going to move again after a year. This is a pain in the butt. But I kept getting that sensation, that knowing, nope, one year. So I said, fine, signed one year lease. The year blew by, and it's time now to, to either um, find a new apartment or renew my lease, of course, at the higher rent. And I'm in that same conversation again with only sign a year lease. And a bit more information came. It said, um, you're not going to be living here anymore in New York City. So don't sign more than one year lease because it's time for you to go. And that's when I, I just thought, God, what? This is ridiculous. This is where I live. Where am I going to go? I'm from L.A. I lived in San Francisco. I lived in Chicago now in New York City, like where else in the United States could I live that would be any better or have all the things that I'm used to do now? I can't, I can't go backwards. But I, the voice was so clear. So I said, fine, 
I'll sign a year lease. And I guess this is where I get to move to Europe. I thought, you know, there's other places I, I, I know I want to live in other parts of the world for some amount of, some time in my life. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go live you know, in, in London or I'll go live in India for six months or like, do those things. <clears throat> so my mind went into that, like where in the world would I go? And within that exploration, I kept hearing San Diego. <laughs> now, San Diego <clears throat> is not a place that has ever been on a list that I should ever live. Not on my agenda, nowhere in my plans. I've never cared about San Diego. Just not, and even, even more so, it's in California. And when I left California, I said I would never move back to California. I'm done with that state. I'm moving on. So nothing about that made any sense. But yet San Diego kept coming to me and I would, it wouldn't go away. So to make a very long story short, <laughs> as I was exploring where in the world I could live, I, uh, I came across this woman at a spiritual bookshop who was doing uh, like some kind of like tarot card reading. And I'm, I love tarot cards. I love those kinds of tools. I use them today. But when a person is in a bookshop doing readings, even though I love all those things, to me, it's quackery. <laughs> it is, it's fake. It can't be real. They're just trying to make a buck. You know, and I'm like, you know, Mr. Spiritual Teacher, I use, I have, I have a deck of cards. I used them before we, we did this conversation. And, but in this case, like, nope, but my, I was walking by that store and my intuition, I heard, it said, go in and have a reading. And I said, are you crazy, God? You know, I don't know. But I went in and of course there was one opening at that precise moment for a reading and the rest of the day was booked. So I, I said, okay, I paid the money. I had this reading and the woman talked about, I asked questions about, am I going to move? And she was confirming, yes, you're definitely going to move. And then I said, well, where in the world am I going to go? And we, she offered to do a report for me that's called astral, astral cartography. It's, it's a form of astrology that can tell you where in the world you should live based on your own birth chart, like where, where your birth chart, where your planetary alignments uh, match up to places in the world. And I thought, cool, this is going to prove I should stay in New York or I should live in Europe. But San Diego, no. So she does this report for me. And when the report comes back, um, all across the top, in the highest levels possible, literally, the highest levels possible, in every category this report would cover, uh, was San Diego, San Diego, San Diego, San Diego. It was like, it was irrefutable. And all the places that I thought I should live, because I want to live, were nowhere, anywhere near the magnitude of alignment uh, as San Diego was. So that's when I said, all right, God, I hate you. I don't know why you're sending me here. I don't know anyone there. It's not where I want to live. This is ridiculous. And fine, I will go. And then right after that happened, uh, 
everything that I needed for me to make this transition from New York to San Diego, just like all the doors just opened. It all just fell into place. And it's because it was where I was supposed to come. And so this is an example of intuition. And that whole process got dragged out by two years because I kept saying, no, it doesn't make sense. No, I'm not leaving New York. No, I'm never going to live in San Diego. I will never move back to California. No, 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 no. But the universe kept telling me in so many different ways, yes, you are leaving. Not only are you leaving, you're going to this place. And we don't care if you don't like that that's where you're going, but that's where you're going to go. So the sooner you say yes, the faster we'll get that done for you. And that's, that's how I ended up in San Diego. That's a, that's a, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yes. Yeah, like it, all that happened there was like the process prolonged. It's like, that was the path. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I've learned about intuition. And it's what I teach uh, my students is when we start to get, when we start to become aware of our intuition and, and this is where that trust comes back in and, and we start to trust that what's coming to us is for us, it's to support us and it probably is going to lead us into a, a new dimension of our life that we could never ever imagine with our logical brains, right? Um, the sooner that we start to just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to trust that. The, 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 the more ease you'll have in your life, <laughs> the faster you'll get to these next stages of your life. Um, and the resistance that we, we put up, certainly that I have put up in my life, um, creates slowdown, it creates disconnection, uh, it, it creates those getting, those getting out of alignment uh, because we're, we're going against the current. Do you have any advice for somebody on how to trust when it's something that happens that doesn't seem like a good thing on the surface level. It could be something they need to grow through to get to the next level. How do they keep the faith and trust that this is the right path? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that, that it's scary to when, when like the, the same, the story I just told you about moving to San Diego, you know, I can't, I, I, I can't even, emphasize enough that that thought of moving to a, this city back to a state that I said I would never live in like that just was so incredibly asinine to me that um, I couldn't even wrap my head around why that was the place, right? Uh, and when I said yes, and I did it, in, I said it in defiance for sure, I can really vividly see me like raising my fist to God. You know, I hate you. Fine, I'll go. I mean, I was like a three-year-old baby saying it, right? But it was saying it, even though it didn't make any sense, that shifted the whole situation. And and this is just the thing. This is like when we come up against those, when we come up to these opportunities, um, trusting that your higher source and you this this implies that you do have a belief in some higher source or your higher self whatever a person believes right um that that it really has your back which is a huge lesson uh for us to all learn 
that the faster that we can just uh, surrender and surrender is a strength surrendering is a strength it's not a failure it's a it's a it's a it's a releasing it's sort of like opening your arms and floating on the ocean if you will like i'm not going to drown i'm going to be okay that is a that's something that i've had to learn i am continuing to learn and the only way that you learn it is by doing it and going through have you have you ever uh done a uh, flotation tank have you ever been in one of those i've heard of them right it's something that i think would be quite cool or quite interesting to do it's like all your senses are cut off so you get isn't that the what it is yeah so so you're in a in about six inches of uh, water uh and it's it, there's a tremendous amount of salt in the water so um your body floats even if you don't want it to you will float in those six inches of water and depending on the place that you do it um, you'll probably be in a dark room um, with you know no no light um, and all of your senses get deprived like you just said and you're you're just in this space of floating and darkness and it, it can sound terrifying but it's also so liberating mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm mentioning that because that's, that's the vision I'm having in my head right now is this, this idea of trusting the universe that are trusting your intuition is, is kind of like that. It's where you, you literally just allow yourself to be supported. And I think that's, that's the underlying thing is um, if we're having an intuition, if we're receiving divine guidance, it isn't accidental. And it's for our benefit. And if we can allow ourselves to believe it, even for a second, and just to relinquish our control, knowing that we're fully supported in that surrendering, then things shift and they start to move in directions that you can you absolutely cannot imagine for yourself. Uh, and your life goes to a different level and you get to learn a whole new set of lessons. Uh, and new people come into your life, new situations and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. The opposite of that is stagnation. It's it's being right about what you think your life is supposed to be like. It's being defiant, <laughs> you know. And we stay stuck in a place because it's comfortable. And in that space of being comfortable, our comfort zone, if you will, um, you know, there's there's no more room for growth. And and you know, because I, I know that you, you're a mindset guy, right? The, the magic happens in the uncomfort zone. Our expansion, our growth, our transformation happens when we cross our line, our limit of participation in life or the walls of our comfort zone. When we get through them and to the other side, into the unknown, that's where all the magic is. That's where the newness is. And we get to expand our realm of comfort. Um, and so many people aren't willing to do that because they're afraid. They don't want to be bothered. They don't trust um, that there is more to life, to their life. And and that's why I love the work that I do. <laughs> it's because I, I get to help people identify where they are within their little comfort zones, right? And then and then help them think about what it is that they want to do in the world and what they see for themselves. And oftentimes those things they see 
are on the other side of their walls. And in order to get over there and to do that thing or to be that person that they say they want to be, they're going to have to move through those comfort zones and, um, and into these new territories. And so that's the kind of work and support that I can offer people. And it's so exciting for me to be able to see someone take those risks and to trust themselves too. It's not just trusting, you know, your the universe. We're also trusting ourselves and, and then seeing what, what happens because they did that and who they are and who they become and the impact they can make. That's, that's really exciting stuff. What's, what's the process like for somebody to identify their comfort zone? I think that's the, that's a key part to even begin like to know that where your comfort zone is right now. Um, Hmm. Well, I can give you, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, like for instance, I, I just recently, I, oh, I'll give you a perfect example. <laughs> it's, it's actually the thing that led us to connect, right? Uh, Comedy, yeah. right? <laughs> um, I was sitting right here on this sofa that I'm on right now. <laughs> One day, feeling very sad, um, feeling, um, I'll use the word depressed. Um, I, I don't mean it like clinical depression, but just feeling like really low feelings. And was lying here, um, on, you know, just feeling sorry for myself and blah, 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 and watching TV. And I found a, a uh, documentary series that was about six stand-up comedians who were trying to get into this very prestigious comedy festival that takes place in Montreal once a year called Just for Laughs. And I love to watch stand-up comedy. It's, you know, if it's not something comedic, then I'm, if I'm gonna like, watch something on TV or on video or whatever, uh, Netflix, all the things, um, if it's not funny, then it's probably going to be something more, you know, of, uh, nature or history or spiritual. <laughs> Those are the categories of things I like to watch. But I never, ever thought more about comedy than like I like to watch people who make me laugh. So I'm watching this this documentary, and as I start watching, you know, it's, it was in six episodes, and as each episode ended, I started to have a stronger and stronger intuition. Those feelings I talked about, right? That knowing in my neck, the voice was becoming present. And I just started saying, oh, what is happening? Oh no, oh no, no, no. <laughs> and by the end of the series, it was crystal clear. I heard the voice, you are supposed to learn stand-up comedy. And that was as crazy and asinine as when I heard you are moving to San Diego. <clears throat> Probably even more crazy and confusing because nowhere on my list of who I am or what I do or should do is stand-up comedian. <laughs> it's not on my list. That's other people's jobs. But I knew it. I heard it. I felt it. I got it. And you were asking before about like, learning how to trust and uh, and I at this point in my life I just said okay there's the thing there's the feeling there's the there's the knowing and this is 
absolutely ridiculous, but okay, God, fine. I don't know what it means. I don't know how it's supposed to happen. This is ridiculous. You're going to figure this out. That's pretty much how I was. And then within a couple of days, I met a woman at a networking event who told me, who told the group that, you know, oh, by the way, I'm having a workshop called Stand Up for Scaredy Cats. <laughs> She's sitting right across from me and I just could not, I was like, are you serious, God? <clears throat> so I took her uh, workshop and then she had a small program uh, that she offered us to learn over like seven weeks how to become a stand-up comedian. And I signed up for that too. And I was terrified, absolutely terrified because I don't know if I'm funny. I didn't know what, who, people don't think of me as the guy like, hey, let's, let's have Rich tell us a joke because he's hilarious. Like I am not that guy. When I teach or speak to a group, absolutely, there will always be laughter, but it's not planned. It's not in my notes, but I know that I'm on the right path in the talk or the lesson or whatever, because people are laughing and it's always been a natural organic thing, not planned. There's no way I would ever like, insert joke here. It's not how it worked. But stand up is a whole different thing. You know, where you create your jokes, you memorize your jokes, you bring life to the jokes and you stand in front of a group of complete strangers and tell them your jokes and either they like you or they hate you. <laughs> And you're all alone there and if it's not going well what do you do <laughs> so this has been the most terrifying thing I think I've ever done in my life so far is going on this journey and then putting myself in these extremely uncomfortable situations on a stage at a comedy club or some brewery or a bar like places I don't normally go to and now I'm like in bars doing comedy like what this fear is huge, but yet I know, I know that I'm not doing it because I think I should be funny. I'm doing it because this came as a divine inspiration, a divine intuition about what I'm supposed to be adding to how I present myself in the world. And, you know, I, Becoming a spiritual teacher uh, on top of the fact that I was a business coach, which was New York was business coach. I now know I was supposed to come to San Diego to also step into the realm of spiritual teacher, which was also never on my list of to do's. Spirituality was for me and it's my private thing. It wasn't what I should ever be talking about to other people. That was a whole other thing that I skipped over for you. but. I had to step into, I'm also now a spiritual teacher who has an expertise in, in personal and business development, and I can work with business people to teach them how to bring all of those things together to be more powerful in life. And now comedy? Like, what? So, so these, uh, you know, this fear, I could have easily said, no, forget it. I, no, 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 no. This is not, this is where I draw the line. But I've gotten to the place in my life where I know that I can't because this prompting to do stand-up is not about my ego or that I think I'm a funny person or anything that might you know, be from a uh, personal point of view. I know that some reason, and it's still unfolding, for some reason, the universe 
already knows that part of how I will get my message into the world or how the message will come through me into the world to be more specific involves humor. And so I'm just going with it. And it's exhilarating and awful and terrifying and ridiculously fun all at the same time. And I'm, I'm literally, as we speak, practicing, trusting that the comedy has a role in my life that is so much bigger than me. And I will keep pursuing it until I know I'm not supposed to, and like if and when that happens. So we do have to face our fears. We don't have to, we get to face our fears. And when we don't, so the comfort zone was your question. Like it was not in my comfort zone to get up and do stand-up comedy. And then it became clear I'm supposed to, and that was a wall right there. I was like, nope, uh-uh, not happening. And then I said, okay, it's gonna happen. And then I got to expand that wall. I got to push my level of comfort to a greater degree. And, I'm, and that's a work in progress. And now I'm doing improv as well. I just started an improv class to help me with my stand-up comedy. And that's a whole new like, okay, this is very uncomfortable. I'm making a complete fool of myself in front of these complete strangers. And it's part of the process. So when you know that you're, when you're invited to do something or, or when you know that you're meant to do something and that fear comes up that says, nope, that's not me. I'm not that person. I'm not like that. I could never do that. That's the wall. That's where you know you've, you've reached your, your comfort zone. And then you get to have, you, you have a choice. Do something about that or stay comfortable. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. And when you stay comfortable too, though, you, you do get enough pain to drive you outside of that comfort again at some stage, I think. But yeah. Another question I had is that, how was mindfulness and mindset work? How has that work helped you as a comedian? get on stage and perform because I would imagine comedians like it's all about timing and it's about not being in your head and uh, yeah. having a rhythm. Yeah, for sure. So all those tools absolutely come into play. Uh, so you know, there's like a, a mindset process that I use um, that, uh, that where I'm actively choosing the state of being that I want to be in, even though I don't feel like it in this moment, but this is what I, I create my state of being to allow myself to, to do my best while I'm on that stage. Because the, the fear and the, and the nervousness, the anxiety, like all of this stuff is gonna come up and I can either be at the effect of it or use it to, to actually make what I'm doing even funnier. And so uh, being aware of that and then you know, using some, some tools to create my state of being or my mindset in that moment um, absolutely is part of what keeps me from passing out on that stage. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mindfulness, you know, as you mentioned, you know, be, being in the moment, uh, being present, um, that can be very difficult to do when you're in a highly stressful situation. So that's that absolutely the mindfulness piece comes in uh, with being with what's happening. And when you do stand-up uh, comedy, you don't know what's going to happen in the room. You don't know what's going to come out of the audience. You don't know if they're going to think you're funny or not. Uh, and, and so that, that is, I think, where the, the mindfulness really comes in, is being able to riff off of or ignore, depending on what's happening, 
what's not in your script, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so th- those tools are, are absolutely being used. Um, essential oils, which is another category of expertise that I have. Um, I use grounding essential oils before I go on stage uh, to, to keep me focused. Um, I have a group of friends that I've gone through this comedy journey with. And um, before we would go on stage, uh, I, I invite them to do uh, a quick guided visualization and we use some essential oils for grounding and I just have us all imagining you know being connected to the earth and receiving information and receiving energy you know through us and that we're here to 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 share laughter and to help people even for a split second to be happier in their bodies Uh, so I do this little guided visualization so I'm using all of these tools you know behind the scenes so that when I get on stage I can be as out of my head and as present and um, flexible, literally, <laughs> as possible so that I don't get stuck. Uh, or if I do get stuck, like I forget one of the jokes, which has happened for sure, like now what? <laughs> now what do I do? So, that, so there's just improv. so many moving pieces. Yeah, improv, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, and. That's good, yeah. So like that kind of routine you're doing in the background is like grounding yourself and then focusing on serving the audience rather than being in your head and thinking about yourself. Yeah. To the, to the best of my ability. Uh, and that's, that's definitely a, a work in progress as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, every time I perform, it's a completely different thing, even though the jokes may be the same, the audience is different. The room is different. Everything's different. I'm different. So it's, it's always a, a practice of, of um, bringing something uh, newly to to the space and I think that's part of why I'm really loving it <laughs> it's exciting to to be to be able to do that it's a it's highly creative and that's a part of my life creativity has been um, pretty absent you know I've been much more in this logical uh, place um, in in my life and having this creative outlet that I didn't even know was missing from my life and that goes back to the intuition, like the universe knew, like this guy needs to like laugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, and I, I never ever would have, you know, self-diagnosed with, ah, I need to laugh more or I need to help other people laugh. Like I never would have thought, had those thoughts at all, but my higher self did, knew, right? And so now I can see the brilliance behind that and it, it's starting to make more and more sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's like balancing yourself out. I think like from my experience, it's like I'm always out of balance somewhere. It's like bringing it back into more balance and stuff. And like you said there, it's more coming from a a higher power more than if I had the thought that I need to do this in order to balance myself, I don't think it would actually work because it's just like some sort of thought that I'm latching to. Yeah. I feel, you know. Yeah, and that's the beauty of intuition is it knows things that we don't. It knows what what we can't see and that's and that's you know the lesson i've been learning is is that like it's it isn't it isn't um you know you hear people say like oh i just had a gut feeling uh about this and and so i took action but you know but but that it was like once 
it was like it was like a special circumstance that they 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 acted on that one gut feeling it wasn't because it's a continual reaction or response uh i guess what i'm trying to say is we're constantly receive have the ability to receive intuition around us constantly it isn't uh, every so often you get a gut feeling. We have the ability to constantly actually live in this place of receptivity. And the more that you practice honing your intuition, the more that you get to do that. Uh, but mostly we live in the opposite place where when you do get a gut feeling, you're like, wow, that was interesting. Like it was like a special occasion, but it's, it's a, it actually we're designed literally physiologically to be constantly in a state of re receptivity uh, to uh, intuitive impulses. And uh, the more that we practice, just like the more you work out at the gym or the more you practice playing the piano or whatever it is that we practice, the more we become receptive and able to act on those impulses. And then the more exciting life becomes because you start doing things in your life that you never thought or knew that you could or would. Mm. Yeah, keeps you on your toes. Absolutely. Do you have any final message for, for somebody listening in to keep in mind? Uh, yeah, I think the message is pay attention. And for, for those people listening uh, to, the, to this podcast, to this message, who are perhaps wondering if they're intuitive or could they be intuitive? Yes. Absolutely, you came that way. It's part of the standard uh, programming that we have. You know, kind of like a, a car, like a new car. It comes with standard features. Humans come with intuition built in, and um, we just have forgotten that. And so start to pay attention. Notice what keeps showing up around you, what, what things keep repeating around you, because that's happening for a reason. And uh, find a way to become, uh, to, to learn this. Uh, find, find, there's so many places out there, so many people out there. You know, uh, so many ways that we can start to hone our sensitivity to our own intuition and start that journey of listening, uh, understanding how you receive information, and then trusting yourself and your higher self to take, to take that information and actually utilize it. And just, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised what happens in your life as a result. Mm. So where will we find you online? Yes. Uh, so I have a brand new website. It's actually not even, this is the first time I'm formally uh, putting it out there. Uh, just, just got finished about a week ago. And it's richawakenings.com, richawakenings.com. Uh, on my website, you can see uh, everything that I do uh, with, my with my clients. Um, and also, uh, I'm offering anyone who's interested in learning more about intuition or mindset, mindfulness, or heartfulness, I offer a 30-minute complimentary consultation. And you can find that on the website under the services uh, tab. And book a 30-minute conversation, and we can explore this um, or any other topic uh, in greater detail. So I invite you to take advantage of that and would love to, uh, to hear from some of your, your folks. I suppose 
given what you do, um, that you have people out there who are definitely interested in learning how to uh, hone their mindset or mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mindset, intuition, all that stuff. It's great stuff. Yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for, for sharing today, uh, Rich. It was great to hear about intuition, how to actually go about following that in some practical ways and how to listen to your voice even when you feel like you shouldn't. It's, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Thanks yeah, again. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Cool. So until next time, have fun and enjoy the process.